Welcome, everyone. Welcome to WrestleMania Salvation. My name is Sal. I am your host, and today we'll be discussing the last time WrestleMania invaded Chicago. WrestleMania Deuce Deuce. Now, an unconventional method, I would like to discuss some things with you before we get started. First, it feels great to be talking about WrestleMania again. Uh, it's been a little bit, holidays and such. Uh, I would like to take a moment to thank Jeff for joining me in our last episode as we discussed WrestleMania 21. I had a great time recording with Jeff and look forward to podcasting with him on the flagship show, The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, very soon. Also, I would like to take a moment to say I am deeply saddened by the passing of Mean Gene Oakland, uh, who recently passed away at the age of 76. My earliest wrestling memories always will include him and his booming voice and witty personality, and I think he was one of the most recognizable and endearing voices the industry has ever had. And finally, to finish off the little bit of house cleaning here, I would like to thank the Questionable Endeavor Network for the years of partnership that the Rundown Wrestling Podcast had with them. Uh, we recently announced that we, as a collective unit, myself, Jason, Troy, Adam, Jeff, uh, we are now launching the Rundown Wrestling Network, which I am very excited about, and I look forward to sharing more news about that in the future. Uh, all of uh, the famous and, and, and amazing Rundown shows are part of the Rundown Wrestling Network, including this show right here. So we are excited about the future. We have a website. Our website is rundownwrestling.com. And check it out. Uh, it's going to be a great ride, and I really look forward to 2019. Now, with all that said and done, let's talk about WrestleMania, shall we? Full disclosure, last time I fucked up my own gimmick. So to avoid a cease and desist letter from the WWE... We are not going to do the WrestleMania Rewind, but let's go to the WrestleMania Rundown. The 22nd WrestleMania was held on April 2nd, 2006, and was broadcast live from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. The Allstate Arena, formerly known as the Rosemont Horizon, is one of the most beloved buildings in wrestling history, and on this night, held an attendance of 17,155 fans. The tagline for the show was Big Time, and the official WrestleMania song was also Big Time by Peter Gabriel. We begin tonight with someone other than the magnificent Lillian Garcia singing America the Beautiful, which I believe is a mistake. That person is quote-unquote Chicago's own Michelle Williams, who was the other, other member of Destiny's Child, which, by the by the way, in 2006, uh, they broke up about five years prior to this. So, great to see they're still fresh with the times. Our opening contest is for one fall. One fall. World Tag Team Title Match, Fire Show, Kane and the Big Show, defending, defending against Carlito and Chris Masters. Carlito and Chris Masters, are you fucking kidding me? 
Uh, I forgot they were a team. And to be quite honest, uh, I forgot just how obscene and over-the-top Master's entrance was. When all he did was basically, you know, T-bowing, and then jumps up and a bunch of sparklers go off. It was pretty awful. Uh, Big Show and Kane come out to a nice little pop. Kane's music plays because Big Show just goes along with whatever the fuck is put in front of him. Remember, last year he had a sumo match. And uh, one thing I will say as we begin this match is that the crowd is, is pretty behind them. I mean, it's it's pretty easy considering who their opponents are, but I'll take it for what it's worth. Uh, Big Show right away gives the crowd what they want by doing the frying pan hand slap spot, which I've always enjoyed. And at least tonight, and maybe it's because Carlito's in the ring, but at least Big Show is working like a giant. You know, he's kind of throwing Carlito around like it's no one's business. Um, Manhandling him and Masters, really. So, for what it's worth, at least they're trying to book Big Show better at this point. Uh, At one point, we noticed the turnbuckle pad is gone. That's a miss, because literally nobody pointed that out on commentary. So then, uh, Carlito kind of shoves Big Show's face into the turnbuckle, and that's supposed to be like, oh my god, the turnbuckle pad is gone. Eh. It doesn't really do much. Chokeslam ends Carlito's night with the three counts. The match was about three minutes. It was a nothing match. Uh, Carlito and Masters, Carlito and Chris Masters argue as a Carlito chant starts up, but f- sadly, uh, no physicality, and they just leave. Here's a question for you. Around the Allstate Arena is a giant poster of everyone who is participating at WrestleMania tonight, or at least all the superstars. Guys like Shawn Michaels, Triple H, John Cena, um, Batista, you know, Randy Orton, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan. Wait. Hulk Hogan? Um, nope. Hasn't been with the company since uh, the end of 05, so don't know why he's on the posters, but <laughs> neither do a lot of people, apparently. Backstage, Jonathan Coachman is with HBK. They know Sean back on December 26th of last year. You walked into the ring. You told Mr. McMahon to grow up and move on. But that one comment started a life of living hell. A living hell that culminates later tonight right here at WrestleMania in a no-holds-barred match against the chairman. Looking back, do you regret saying that at all? It was the truth. And I never regret telling the truth. You know, Coach Life, life is pretty funny. Last year at this time, Kurt Angle and myself, we went out there at WrestleMania and we stole the show. The year before that, Chris Benoit, Triple H, and myself did the same thing. But this year, this year, I would not expect your classic five-star wrestling match out of HBK. No, 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 no. Tonight, tonight's going to be violent. Tonight's going to be brutal. Tonight is going to get gonna get ugly tonight Vince McMahon you're not gonna get 
the Heartbreak Kid of 1995. You're not going to get the Heartbreak Kid of 2006. Tonight, I'm going somewhere that I've never been before. A little role reversal. Vince, you better be the one to hit your knees, put your hands together, look up, and pray to the God above to save you, to help you. But understand this, it is not going to happen because tonight you are going to endure your own personal hell. Boy, I tell you what, there ain't nothing like a good Shawn Michaels promo. Match number two, Money in the Bank. Ugh, love these fucking WrestleMania Money in the Banks. Matt Hardy versus Shelton Benjamin versus Finley versus Rob Van Dam versus Bobby Lashley versus Ric Flair. What the fuck? Um, now, because this is a dual-branded match, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole, and Taz are all going to call the action for this match, to which I say, yikes. There's a sign near the ring steps that says, can we get Flair an escalator? <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Uh, Shelton does what Shelton always does, and he is amazing in this match, uh, including knocking the side of Lashley's head off with a kick. Like, just one of those Shelton Benjamin kicks that just cracks him right in the side of the head. Shelton also gets the crowd unglued as he runs up a ladder perched on the top to hit a flying plancha to the outside. Then, 57-year-old Ric Flair takes a suplex off the top of the ladder. What the fuck? We get a loud flare chant after that spot. Uh, unfortunately, he is then assisted to the back, and it seems his night is done. Uh, we get a mist rolling thunder that takes a couple of years off of RVD's career because he lands right on the ladder. And then Ric Flair actually limps back out. I would have stayed in the back if I was him. Flair goes after Shelton and hits a few chops and hits him so hard with one of them that Shelton flips over the top rope to the outside, which I thought was a nice spot. We get a Van Daminator from the top rope to Lashley, who's on the ladder. Van Dam comes close to winning the match, but Benjamin springboards from the ropes to the ladder and lands perfectly on the ladder like Ricochet did when he landed in front of Velveteen Dream that time. The two then slug it out on the top. Hardy sets up a ladder next to them and almost grabs the briefcase, but then Benjamin switches ladders and starts pummeling J Matt Hardy. Van Dam tips their ladder over, ending with both Hardy and Benjamin spilling to the outside. And Rob Van Dam then grabs the briefcase to become Mr. Money in the Bank. Howard Fink then introduces the Hall of Fame, uh, but he does so by burying Bret Hart for not being there. Apparently, Bret didn't feel right about coming tonight. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like one of those breakups where... You know, just because you're on speaking terms doesn't mean you want to have dinner with the person. So, Fink introduces, starting off with the aforementioned, late, great, mean Gene Oakland. 
then Sensational Sherry, Tony Atlas, Vern Gagne proving Vince is not that vindictive, William the Refrigerator Perry, because, you know, he had that one time where he was in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2, the original Blackjacks, and of course, inducted into this class, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. Yes, unfortunately, from WrestleMania 21 to WrestleMania 22, I believe it was in October of 05, uh, Eddie Guerrero was found dead in his hotel room. His death shocked and saddened the wrestling world. So he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Well-deserved, whether it was rushed because of his untimely death or not, uh, Eddie was one of the most charismatic and explosive and phenomenal wrestlers I have ever seen. And it was definitely a shocking day when he died. Uh, that being said, Vicky Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero accept his award, and an Eddie chant fires up uh, from the Chicago Faithful. Who I gotta say, the Chicago Faithful, who were very loud and vocal all night long, as you would expect in the Windy City. We then move on to match number three. It's the United States Championship, as United States Champion Chris Benoit defends against JBL because even though JBL lost to Cena at last year's Mania even though JBL was then made to look like a bitch by quitting an I quit match before he actually got hit with a metal pipe some reason they decide they still need to push JBL I'm gonna steal a joke from the rundown founder and say they should push JBL out of a 44-story window. JBL comes out in true douchebag fashion as the ramp actually lifts up off the ground to allow his stupid fucking limo to drive right to the ring. Surprisingly, JBL is not accompanied by his cabinet, but his PR person, Jillian Hall, Now, on this night, Jillian has her hair down, so I cannot tell if she has that weird thing on the side of her face that Boogeyman eventually eats off. Gross. Benoit comes out to a huge ovation. On a side note, a very accurate sign reads, JBL is God, dot, 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 awful. Well done, sir. JBL, in his normal piece of shit self, tries to get heat by doing the three amigo suplexes. He does them atrociously, mind you. Uh, And the match continues. It goes on for a little bit. It it was a decent match. Obviously, a Benoit match is going to be physical. But Benoit... See, this is what I didn't like, and I guess it was a... You know... It's a way to garner heat, but... Benoit locks in the crossface, and somehow JBL just rolls over and pins him. Oh, he also grabbed the rope, like, after he rolled over. So he used the rope for leverage and pinned Benoit. It was really 
like out of nowhere and pretty sloppy and I didn't care for it uh, we then get another video featuring the big time song by Peter Gabriel it's funny because Wikipedia listed this as the song for last year's Wrestlemania no 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 this was 100% played every 20 minutes on this year's Wrestlemania match number four something I had forgot that was on this card originally it is a hardcore match between Edge and Mick Foley. Now, I'm going to go back in the year. Within the past year of 2005 to 2006, WrestleMania to WrestleMania, Edge has completely transformed. He was a heel when he won Money in the Bank last year, but now he's a heel who does disgusting, depraved things with Lita on TV, and uh, has actually turned uh, turned into uh, somewhat of a really big deal. Him winning the title from Cena at New Year's Resolution by cashing in Money in the Bank in the first ever Oh My God cash-in spot was something to be remembered for a long time. And now he's going to get his chance to make his mark in a hardcore match against Mick Foley. This, I promise you, was incredible. In fact, it's so incredible that Joey Styles himself joins the broadcast team for this match. Edge comes out with a baseball bat... And a half-naked Lita. Who knew this is the Lita we always wanted? Foley comes out wearing a blue buttoned flannel, and it's like buttoned all the way. Seems kind of weird. Hmm. Meanwhile, shades of WrestleManias from years past as Foley takes headshot after headshot after headshot from a metal object. This time a metal cooking sheet, and a road sign. Edge then nails Foley with a spear. We are only two minutes into this match, mind you. But for some reason, Edge can't make the cover. In fact, Edge is in excruciating pain and seems to be bleeding from his right arm. The fuck? Well, it turns out Foley, that sick son of a bitch, had barbed wire wrapped around his entire body, hence the buttoned-up flannel. So he rips the blue flannel off to reveal the classic red flannel underneath, but he is literally wrapped in barbed wire. Ouch. How did he not walk and have that hurt? Whatever. Before I can worry too much about it, Foley grabs Barbie, and if you're not familiar, Barbie is the barbed wire baseball bat, from under one of the ring stairs. Edge almost breaks Foley's hip, though, with a hip toss into the steel stairs. And then Edge, in a sadistic, disgusting, ever-so-graphic move, pours lighter fluid on Mick Foley. Like, legit, pours it all over him. To, in my in my mind, I'm thinking, Really? Are they just going to turn him into Kane at this point? 
Edge then bloodies Foley with the barbed wire baseball bat. Uh, Foley is a goddamn mess. Now, here's something that might surprise you. As hardcore as Mick Foley was in his entire career, never bled too, too often. If you look back at the history, yeah, he got the shit kicked out of him. He took some nasty bumps. He did some fucked up things in Japan. But if you look at his pay-per-view matches in WCW and WWF, he only bled a handful of times. It wasn't like Flair where, like, every pay-per-view is getting busted open. Uh, Foley is busted open as fuck tonight. Uh, Edge then pours thumbtacks onto the mat. But in one of the most sickest spots in Mania history... Edge goes for a bulldog, and Foley counters into a side suplex, and Edge lands bare back first on the tax. Holy shit. Then, to make things a million times worse, Foley pulls out Mr. Socko, puts it on his hand, wraps it in Bob wire, sticks it down Edge's throat. Holy shit. This is the most fucking crazy thing I've ever seen on a WWE program at this point. Foley could literally just sit there with the barbed wire shoved in Edge's match and finish the match right here. Um, But instead, he takes the barbed wire baseball bat, beats him up, uh, literally ripping the flesh off Edge's body. At this point, mind you, Edge legit looks like he went through a windshield at 80 miles an hour. I'm, I'm not fucking kidding you. Go back and watch this. Uh, Lita then hits Foley with a baseball bat and then lights a table on fire. Remember, Mick Foley is already covered in lighter fluid. Edge then spears Foley through said table, through said flaming table on the outside. For the record, obviously with the amount of lighter fluid they used, um, those flames like shot up as soon as uh, Lita lit it on fire. And I mean like shot up like 15 feet in the air. Thankfully, Foley does not catch on fire, uh, but he is pinned after that spot for the three. Holy fucking shit. What? A crazy-ass match. A crazy-ass match. A bloody match. A death match, if you will. But I feel like the WWE actually did this safe. There was no 20-foot drop off of a cell. Um, There was no... You know, suplexing somebody through a glass door that's not fake glass. For the most part... I think they kept it as safe as they could. Now, I would assume that whatever they did with the fire to make sure Foley didn't just completely get covered in fire, it was, you know, rehearsed and they did it with, like, professionals and all that other shit, which is more than I can say for some other death matches I've ever seen. 
But this was fucking incredible, and the crowd was into it the entire time. Hats off to Mick Foley and Edge. And this match, because if you go toe-to-toe with Mick Foley in a hardcore match and beat him, you're a made guy. And that's exactly what this match did. This match made Edge. So he can thank Foley for that. Backstage, after that debauchery, uh, I guess we need some comic relief. So Booker T is with Queen Charmel as they are headed to the ring for their handicap match against the Boogeyman. Charmel yells at Booker that he attracts all the freaks, which he denies, so of course every freak in WWE suddenly appears. You got Paul Burchill, you got Million Dollar Man um, taking advantage of retards with Eugene, uh, you have Snitsky licking Mae Young's toes, Whoa. Uh, the last sentence just legit made me throw up below. This all leads to a <laughs> loosely dressed as Oprah, because you know Chicago, gold dust. Uh, and when I say loosely dressed as Oprah, I mean it was gold dust, and he had a wig, and he had a dress. And he called himself Oprah Dust. But anyway, um, he then says this to Booker. Well, I think maybe you should take the worms and put them in your... It's the only way you're going to beat him. Tell me you didn't just say that. Match number five, Booker T and Charmel versus the Boogeyman. We get a ton of special effects for Boogeyman's entrance. See, as weird as the character was, as, as visually stimulating as the entrance was, unfortunately the bell still has to ring. And the Boogeyman was a 42-year-old power wrestler Slithering, slithering around, doing a few power moves mediocrely. It's a nothing match, including the spot where Boogeyman pulls worms out of his pocket, shoved it into his mouth, and kissed Charmel. This, of course, causes Charmel to scream and run away, which leads Boogeyman to hitting Booker T with a two-handed choke slam for the win. Your winner, the Boogeyman. Now, I will grant you that it would be impossible for anybody to follow Foley and Edge. But they talk about throwing in the towel because the crowd was dead. The only thing that got a reaction was the worms into Charmel's face. And even that was pretty light considering all the other reactions we've heard tonight whole thing was kind of garbage. And a waste of Booker T. Shame on them for wasting Booker T at WrestleMania. But then again, they're famous for doing shit like that. Next up, 
we get a great video package showcasing the obsession Mickey James has with the WWE's women's champion, Trish Stratus. Ironically, they had Trish in a similar feud with Victoria a couple of years back, but that character that Victoria portrayed doesn't hold a candle to the single white female type of character that Mickey James portrays. Mickey's deviant and deplorable in this role, and she hasn't even done her worst yet. But don't worry, we'll get there. Match number six, Women's Championship. Trish Stratus defends against Mickey James. Mickey makes her way to the ring as Lawler goes on about how psycho she is. To which JR quickly and correctly responds, You date her. He then has the line of the night with this little gem. Awesome. Trish goes after Mickey, similar to the way Piper went after Goldust 10 years ago. Uh, unfortunately for Trish, she nails a chick kick right to the ring post. And after that, it's all Mickey. Mickey starts working on the leg, her knee. Um, Mickey is maniacal in her uh, her abuse of Trish at this point. And here's the fucked up thing. This might be the birth of the first smart crowd, other than booing Brock Lesnar and Goldberg at WrestleMania 20. The crowd is chanting the shit out of Mickey. And they are booing every time Trish gets on offense. Which is crazy to me, because Trish was over. But, hey, it's fucking Chicago. Uh, At one point, Trish goes for the Stratisfaction Bulldog... But Mickey legit grabs her by the twat to escape. And then... Well... And then the WWE tries to alter history, and the network does not show the footage of what actually happened that night. What actually happened was Mickey made a V with her hands and flapped her tongue between her fingers like she was eating pussy. The crowd, obviously, popped huge for that. But the WWE decided to remove it from all future broadcasts. And when I say all future broadcasts, remember how they used to do the replay on Tuesday nights? Yeah, just by that time it was gone. Uh, Personally, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but apparently Mickey didn't get it cleared. So, anywho, Trish responds with a straight right to Mickey's face, which is the appropriate response. But Mickey counters with a a kick to her bad knee and then to her face. So she kicked her in the knee, she kicked her in the face, and then she pretty much just pinned her. Uh, I think she was trying to go for the... She was going to do Trisha's move, she was going to do the Stratisfaction Bulldog, but she fucked it up. So, when she pinned her, it was similar to a squash match on Sunday Night Heat. It was just one, two, three, done. There was no drama whatsoever. Your winner and Chicago's favorite daughter at this point, Mickey James. Now, they play up the fact that Trish was so distraught and disturbed after the twat grab, but I don't know. It, it, Trish just really felt like a jobber on this night. Not that Trish Stratus is a jobber, I'm just saying. It just seemed like this was easy for Mickey, beyond easy. 
I will say JR's call is fucking fantastic. The nut job has won the Next, we go backstage where the McMahon family is fawning over Vince and his horrendous and horrific spray tan. My God Almighty. Seriously, I posted a picture of this on my Twitter. Go check it out. He looks like that guy from the Ritz Crackers commercials. Vince mockingly prays here because Sean has been uh, currently depicted as a religious man, which he was in real life at this point, born-again Christian. But listen to what Vince comes up with. Can you imagine Shawn Michaels insinuating that I'm the one that should be praying? Huh? Can you imagine that? No. Can you imagine me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, praying? No. Guess what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have our first ever McMahon family prayer. Everybody on your knees. Come on, get out on the knees. Come on. I know you're pregnant. Get out. Come on. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Get out. Okay. By the way, uh, you heard correctly. He made Stephanie, who was about eight months pregnant at this point, for real, legit get down on one knee. Then again, it's probably his baby, so... Uh, We then go to match number seven. This is a streak-threatening match. It is a casket match as Mark Henry takes on The Undertaker. A bunch of chanting druids wheel the casket down to the ring. Or rather, chanting music plays while eight local guys wheel the casket down. Fun fact, Cole Cabana was one of these uh, druids. So Cabana was at WrestleMania 13 beating up Hawk in the Chicago Street Fight. And he's a druid. Awesome. Who knows? Maybe one of them was Christopher Daniels, too. I mean, you're too small to be the higher power, but you make a damn good druid. Mark Henry comes out to, and I'm not kidding you, generic wrestler music number six. I don't know what song he was using for his entrance music at this point, like, for real. But it, I can't imagine they wouldn't have the rights to the 3-6 Mafia song. So he must have been using something prior to getting that song. Because they still play the 3-6 Mafia song for him anytime he comes out now. So why they would have to remove it from that broadcast makes no sense to me. But this is about five years before the infamous Hall of Pain gimmick. So maybe he just had crappy bad guy music. That is what it is. 
Sounds of thunder and lightning flood the arena as flames shoot up on the stage. Which means the dead man is here. Cole and Taz spent about 10 minutes putting Taker's streak over, which, uh, give him credit, it's fine. They should. Uh, it's only going to get worse over the next eight years, I promise you that. They do typical big man things to each other for about five minutes. Uh, Mark Henry retardedly tries to pin Taker after a world's strongest slam, but there's no pinfalls because it's a casket match, you stupid son of a bitch. Taker hits the last ride on Henry after, you guessed it, Henry gets caught in the corner while giving Taker the mounted punches. Henry then gets tossed to the outside, and Taker hits the huge running dive over the top to the outside. Two things! Number one, impressive for Taker, considering he also cleared the casket when he made that dive. And number two, Henry didn't really catch him, and it looked like Taker landed right on the top of his head. Thankfully, Taker didn't draw himself. Taker then hits the tombstone and rolls Mark Henry's fat ass into the casket for the win. Your winner, and 14-0, The Undertaker. In a match that, meh, was a C-minus at best. And it was short. Taker then leaves, and the Druids take the casket trophy back to Castle Undertaker. I mean, I assume that's where all the caskets go, right? We get a superbly well-done video package for the Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon feud, including, and I forgot this was part of this feud, highlights from the Kiss My Ass Club. Fucking gross. Basically, to sum up the feud, Vince celebrates the Montreal Screwjob because he's a fucking asshole, and Shawn tells him Vince, and Shawn tells him to grow up. That's it. And then Vince is like, I'll make your life a living hell. Match number eight, no holds barred, Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. Probably way too many matches, way too many mania matches for Vince at this point. But he's the boss. I will say this match in particular of all the Vince mania matches is head and shoulders above the rest. And to his maniacal credit, nobody gets heat like Vince McMahon. Nobody. Including unveiling a giant canvas of himself on Muscle and Fitness magazine. I guarantee you that gets smashed over Vince's head at some point. And I literally got that spot within two minutes of the opening bell. JR hilariously says, hit him in the head with it and shove it up his ass. <laughs> JR is fucking hilarious during this because he's playing up the angle that this may be his last broadcast because Vince quote-unquote fired him a short, for a short while back in 2005. So the entire time, he's just like, Yeah, Sean, kick him in the face! Fuck that guy! <laughs> Without actually saying fuck that guy, it's pretty much what he's doing. Um... But just so the match doesn't end that quick, the Spirit Squad... Ugh, God, they were a thing, too, at this point. The Spirit Squad come down to the ring to try to beat up Sean. Surprise! Sean kicks all the shit out of all five of them. Because it's the fucking Spirit Squad. Uh, this at least does allow Vince to get the advantage. And he then rips off his belt... 
like his regular belt and starts whipping the shit out of Sean with it. Sean, however, gets the belt back and puts the belt to Vince's tanned fucking ass. Vince oversells it like only Vince can. Sean then goes for Sweet Chin Music, but he gets drilled in the back of the head with a kendo stick. What the fu- Oh, it's Shane. Shane McMahon. The evil demon seed of Vince then starts beating on Sean with the kendo stick. The cameraman did such a great job here that not even JR saw him running down the ramp, or at least that's how he sold it, which was nice. Shane gets a few spots in and then pulls out handcuffs. Apparently, they're going to handcuff Sean to the ropes and then just beat him stupid. Uh, however, Vince stops him because he's like, no, I got a different thing for him. Let me unbutton my pants. Well, this just got weird. And by the way, whatever spot Vince was planning on doing to Sean, he could have easily done with Sean still handcuffed. But, you know... Because he's fucking Wiley Coyote. Let's take him away from the ropes and let's not handcuff him. And let me pull down my pants so he can kiss my ass. To which he instructs his son Shane to shove Sean's face in his, in his fucking bare ass. Which is weird, just in general. And of course, behind Vince's back, Sean punches Shane at the last second. And then shoves Shane in his father's ass for an uncomfortably long time. Sean then Nakamura's him and then Cactus clothesline Shane out of the ring. Vince, you deserved it. Then in a spot that I literally found fucking hilarious, Shawn Michaels handcuffs Shane to the ropes and beats him stupid with the kendo stick. Oh my god, it was fucking great. As JR put it, a long overdue trip to the woodshed. Sean then pulls out a gun and shoots Vince in the face. Well, not really, but I mean, that's what it fucking sounded like. Because Sean grabbed a chair and hit Vince so hard that I think they heard it over at the United Center during whatever Bulls game was going on that night. Vince is a bloody mess. And as he staggers to his feet, Sean goes for sweet chin music, but then he stops. Is Shawn Michaels showing remorse? Remorse? I don't know why I said remorse. Is Shawn Michaels showing remorse? Oh no. Sean goes and gets a ladder because he's fucking crazy. Uh, he then hits Vince in the skull with it, and if Vince was busted open before, now Vince is laying in a pool of his own blood. Like globs of it. It's fucking gross. Michaels then looks for more weapons. Sean gets a table and two trash cans from under the ring. And as he passes Shane, he decides to beat him up a little bit too. Shane, of course, still handcuffed to the ring ropes. He then puts the trash can over Vince's head and then lays him on the table with the trash can still over his head. Michael sets up the ladder, he teases an elbow drop, but then he climbs down from the ladder. So again, it's like, Sean, finish him off, what are you doing? Sean tosses the ladder out of the ring, goes under the ring, and gets 
what appears to be a fucking 20-foot ladder. Not kidding you. This is at least double the size of the first ladder. Sean then delivers one of the craziest fucking elbows I've ever seen in my life. You heard JR correctly. He did the DX chop while he was on top of the ladder before delivering the elbow. To, as JR put it, the black heart of Vince McMahon. After the ref clears the debris, the EMTs come down and officials and they try to get Vince on a gurney, but Sean gets them out. Uh, Sean then tells Shane to suck it before dragging Vince to his feet. Sean epically says, I want you to see what I'm about to do. I'm going to kick your teeth down your throat. Sean backs up, revs up, and knocks Vince's fucking head off with the super kick. He mercifully pins Vince to end the match. Your winner, the heartbreak kid, Sean Michaels. They immediately put Vince on a gurney and wheel him away. And just like against Hogan at WrestleMania 19, a barely conscious Vince gives Michaels the finger as he's being rolled to the back. He's a fucking bastard right to the end. Wow, what a fucking beatdown. Not what a fucking match, because it wasn't much of a match. Vince barely got any offense in other than... Maybe two moves at the very beginning. But what a fucking beating by Sean. And I'll give them credit for this. The story they told, Vince deserved every single bit of it. Hell, he still does. (laughs) After all that, we go to a video package for the World Heavyweight Championship. Unfortunately, this feud is centered around the death of Eddie Guerrero. Even more, unfortunately, Randy Orton famously says this. Eddie ain't in heaven. Eddie's down there in hell. Match number nine, World Heavyweight Championship, Triple Threat, Randy Orton versus Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Rey gets his music played live by P.O.D. And then he pops out of their set, like right behind the drummer. It's actually pretty cool. But then he leaves, which was very confusing. And then he comes back out with a giant ceremonial headdress, like Tatanka. And then he leaves again. And then nothing. And then he walks out of the entrance ramp. Very disjointed. I I, I enjoyed him popping out of the stage. And then after that, it was all very convoluted and weird. Orton comes out to a shitty old theme song. Fuck anybody who disagrees. I hated that theme song. And Kurt Angle, 
who is portraying a heel at this point, comes out to a massive pop. Because he's fucking Kurt Angle. Match starts off fast, and we get a nice double German suplex from Angle to Orton and Ray. You heard that correctly. In fact, Angle is a suplex machine tonight, and I think he actually gets called that. But not to be outdone, Ray is a luchador machine. Orton's just a machine. Not like a wrestling machine. I mean like a legit machine, like a coffee maker or something. (laughs) The ugly vacuum Randy Orton. There's his new gimmick. Angle then gets Lamp in an ankle lock. Right in the middle of the ring. But Ray grabs the ref so he can't see Orton tapping out. Angle gets rid of Ray and goes for an angle slam on Orton, but Orton slips out and hits him with an RKO. I'll give him credit, that was nice. However, it's WrestleMania, so Angle kicks out. Personally, I didn't think anyone was kicking out of the out of the RKO at this point, as so early in Orton's career, but fuck, it is Kurt Angle. He is a cyborg. Ray then wins the title with a 619 and a West Coast pop to Orton. Wait, what? Yep. That that was it. That quick. It was like a six-minute match. Your winner and new world heavyweight champion, Rey Mysterio. Now, Chavo and Vicky show up on the stage to celebrate with Rey. Again, kudos to Rey Mysterio. He was one of the most dynamic and exciting performers in WCW. Uh, came all the way from, you know, a 19-year-old kid. Uh, fighting for the Cruiserweight Championship to the World Heavyweight Championship on this night. But this would feel a lot better if the whole reason of him having the belt wasn't because Eddie died. And I think everybody knows that. It's the truth. Even then, people knew. It's the only reason why Ray's getting the title. Backstage, they show us John Cena and Triple H taping up before the match. Loud boos for Cena as soon as he's shown on camera. Hey, remember WrestleMania 21 when he was over and he was getting huge pops? Yeah, those days are gone. Mixed reaction for Triple H when he gets shown on camera. Now, JR puts an interesting spin on this, and he says that the arena is filled with traditional wrestling fans that will cheer for Triple H. Uh, I love how this WrestleMania is the first time the narrative of cheer or boo whoever you want as long as you're getting giving a reaction. That actually started here. And then they started doing it for ten more years. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't understand. They already have to put a spin on this. They already have to, to, to try to make excuses. Y- you know... It's their own fault, and I've discussed it in, in, in ad nauseum. You had a guy who was edgy, who was a street thug, who used to rap, who beat up people like JBL, um, and he was over. And then you tried to fucking change him into goddamn Hulk Hogan. Literally, this fucking WrestleMania opens uh, in the video package with John Cena getting a hug from a soldier. And, oh, look, it's seen over uh, over at uh, Tribute for the Troops. Are you fucking kidding me? Mind you, in the past year, they've also turned him into Super Cena, where he kicks out of everyone's finisher, does his five moons of doom, and then pins him with an AA. Like, 
Dude, that formula is fucking tired. That is the Hulk Hogan formula of 1986. And that's what you decide to do with your your face of the company, that your franchise player? Uh, nobody bought that shit. And they fucking started shitting on it almost right away. So, uh, you know, uh, not to mention he's pandering to the little kids and, and did that for a long portion of his career after this night. It just, it, it soured a good portion of the audience. I'm not saying everybody. There were some cheers, but it really, you know. You go back to the booth right after this this uh, little segment and, and King and JR are trying to talk, but all you hear is a loud, loud Cena sucks chant. And again, JR tries to spin it as tradition versus quote-unquote hip-hop. And that's a garbage narrative, and they know it. With that being said, it is now time for our main of what? What's that? Okay. Uh, despite the hype, we need to have another quote-unquote match. Match, and I use that term loosely. Uh, number ten, Playboy Pillow Fight, Candice Michelle versus Troy Wilson. For no fucking reason other than Candice Michelle was in Playboy this year. Uh, there's literally a bed in the ring. So I guess we get lesbian sex and the winner is whoever comes first? No? Okay, well I guess we'll get four minutes of uh, cat fighting then. Uh, we get less than four minutes of that. Plus Tori ripping off Candace's dress. And then Candace gets out of scissors, which is weird, and cuts off Tori's. I mean, the fact that she grabbed a pair of scissors and, like, slowly cut off her dress, but tried to do it, like, angrily, was stupid. Uh, Tori then wins with a schoolgirl, but your winners were all the teenagers in the front row. Then, it is time for our main event. Match number 11, WWE Championship, John Cena defends against the King of Kings, Triple H. Now, Triple H ascends on a throne coming up from the stage looking like Conan the Barbarian. Now, I loved when they introduced the King of Kings new entrance theme, uh, but for some reason they literally cut it after maybe a minute and just started playing his time to play the game theme. Assholes. The fuck? Triple H's outfit actually kind of looks like if Damien Demento and the War Raiders had a baby. Uh, we then get an old-timey gangster video uh, highlighting the Great Depression and Al Capone. Which, by the way, when Al Capone gets shown on the screen, that was a mixed reaction. Because people are like, wow, Al Capone, yeah, famous Al Capone, woo! And then people are like, yeah, but he killed a lot of people, so that's a little bit weird. You know what? Matter of fact. The Great Depression. One of the worst times in American history. Prosperity came to a screeching halt. Factories closed. People lost their jobs. And millions lost everything they owned. Politicians on the take. And the very rich were the only ones living the American dream. To the rest it was... It was time for things to change. A group that came from nothing. Men 
that were willing to take chances and who had nothing to lose. These gangsters decided if no one would help them, they would scratch, claw, and succeed by any means necessary. They didn't care what it took, living fast and working hard. If you loved them or you hated them, it didn't matter. They'd sacrificed everything. To survive, you needed three things. And in case you're wondering, of course you are aware, those three words that everybody quote-unquote had to have to succeed was hustle, loyalty, and respect. You know, he would have been the fucking best babyface if they just kept him gangsta. And for those that get it, get it. Instead, they turned him into a fucking politician. Jesus H. An old-school gangster car drives down to the ring, and we blatantly see CM Punk holding a fake Tommy gun while hanging on the side of the car. Sans the lip ring, which I knew, I know for a fact he had in Ring of Honor, and I know for a fact he had when he debuted in the summer of 2006, so they must have had him remove it just for this spot. Uh, fun fact, Miz was also one of the gangsters. And by one of the gangsters, I mean the people on the side of the car, not like Mustafa and New Jet. Never mind. Now, all these gangsters get out of the car and they circle the ring with their Tommy guns, but Cena was not in the car? Then Cena's music hits and he comes out on the top of the stage wearing a stupid trench coat and he has a large fake Tommy gun which was kind of dumb. But then to make things even more dumb, he literally fires it into the air. To which I'm sure people in the balcony were actually probably kind of horrified. Fake or not, that's a weird visual. Cena then makes his way down the ring. Slowly. Crowd is not having him whatsoever uh i will oh man so they start off slow kind of like what triple h and batista did uh you know they do some lockups and some hammer locks and such the crowd reacts to this by chanting fuck you cena now to john's credit he takes in his stride he has zero reaction to them he does not let them rattle him but you gotta probably figure that vince was like turning himself over in a grave he hasn't dug for himself yet. Like, fuck you, Cena, on pay-per-view? And JR even acknowledged it and went, well, kind of an unflattering chant directed towards the champ. Yeah, unflattering? That's an understatement. The match goes back and forth, but Triple H really puts on a wrestling clinic. I mean, he's... It, it, he plays into the narrative of quote-unquote Cena can't wrestle, which I think is unfair even at this point, because Cena is a brawling style, and Triple H is, is portrayed as a technician, so, you know, and even as the heel, Triple H is doing all the moves, and he's executing them excellently, sorry, Brett, uh, and John Cena just does punches, it, it's not that he couldn't do other things, I don't think, I understand at this point, maybe he couldn't do that many other things, but I think they played it up, um, 
Cena, like I said, he uses his power, he brawls, he hits a vicious clothesline on Triple H, and Triple H actually does a 360, which you don't usually see him do. Uh, He even incorporates a power slam into his five moves of doom at this point. Crowd gets downright violent when Cena tries for the five-knuckle shuffle, so let you know what they think about that. Uh, But Triple H counters with a double-A spinebuster for a two-count. Cena kicks out at two and then hits him with the five-knuckle shuffle anyway, which the crowd boos mercifully. Mercilessly. You know what I mean. Triple H escapes an FU attempt, but Cena locks him in the STFU. Triple H struggles the ropes to break the hold. Cena attempts the FU again, but again Triple H escapes and pushes John into Mike Kyoto. Now this was amazing because with John Cena... In the corner, back facing Triple H, you know, embracing Kyoto for lack of a better term. Uh, Triple H kneels down and Nakamura's both of them with one shot. It was amazing. It was fucking amazing. I remember when I watched that live, I thought that would be the finish. A DX chop pops the crowd, which is definitely foreshadowing of what Triple H's 2006 will be like. Back to the match, after the low blow, Triple H grabs a sledgehammer and cracks Cena in the fucking side of the head. A groggy Mike Kyoto counts, but takes so long that Cena actually kicks out from a sledgehammer to the side of the head. Mm. Cena then hulks up and hits the big boot fall by the leg drop for the win. Sorry, wrong played out finish. But it might as well have been. Cena hits the FU, but Triple H kicks out because it's WrestleMania. Triple H goes for the pedigree, but Cena counters into the STFU. And even though Triple H is, and I'm not fucking kidding you, ridiculously close to the ropes, he just taps out. I'm sorry, but that's not going to endear John to anyone at that point. That's just going to increase the hate. That being said, you got to assume Vince did that on purpose. Like, fuck you, crowd. I don't care what you think. Oh, Vince. Stubborn to the death. John Cena celebrates. And they kind of pull a Roman Reigns at SummerSlam before that was a thing. Because... He only celebrates for, like, a minute. There's no huge pyro display, and then they go to the video package to end the night. So they were quick to get the camera off him and quick to get the camera off the fans booing. This was a fun WrestleMania, guys. I'm not going to lie. A lot of big spots. The crowd was into it for at least 90% of the broadcast. And I even enjoyed the backstage segments. I wish Brett had appeared, but I totally get it. He wasn't going to show up there. He was lucky. They were lucky he showed up at the Hall of Fame. You know, time heals all wounds. And this is going to take time. Don't worry. A couple years from now, Bret will return to WrestleMania in one of the most forgettable matches in Bret Hart's history. Match of the night. Guys, I've watched a lot of hardcore wrestling matches, I've watched a lot of ECW. And at this point in 2006, uh, I would say 
you know, I, I was pretty smart to the business as for what it was. But I thought that the Edge McFoley match was amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, but if hardcore matches are considered garbage wrestling, this was the best garbage wrestling match I had ever seen in a WWE ring. Hands down. Worst match of the night, because they did count it as a match, and I'm not talking about the pillow fight, The Boogeyman versus Booker T and Charmel. I get you're trying to get Boogeyman over, but you got a guy like Booker T. Give him at least ten minutes. They legit went three, and don't make it a fucking handicap match, because then it's just a joke. And I'm sorry, joke comedy spots do not need to be on the main card at WrestleMania. Mm -mm. I say that as I sit here and think about Braun Strowman and Nicholas winning the tag titles from the bar last year. (laughs) Again, I refuse to count the pillow fight as an actual match. That's literally just, let's get the camera on the hot girls for five minutes. But also, that Boogeyman Booker T match, uh, it's just, it really served no purpose. Boogeyman did not come out of that any better than he went going in. He was still just the Boogeyman and still all types of weird. The Money in the Bank was a fun match. Michaels versus Vince was fucking great. Again, I enjoyed Mysterio and Angle and Orton fucking Angle and Mysterio really were the ones that showcased during that match. Uh, the less said about The Undertaker versus Mark Henry, the better. But all in all, it was a fun mania with a really hot crowd. Join us next time when the WWE invades Detroit for WrestleMania 23. It's the Battle of the Billionaires. It's John Cena versus Shawn Michaels for the WWE title. It's WrestleMania returning to a dome for the first time since WrestleMania X8. Follow us on Twitter at WrestleMania Sale. Follow the rundown at Rundown Podcast. But by the time you hear this, it's probably going to be at Rundown Network. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, where 2019 promises to be a big year for the Rundown feed, and check out all of our shows, including Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, Nitromania, Making the Grade, Dishonorable Discharge, and NXT Revisited. I'm running solo tonight, so I'll hit you on another classic catchphrase. And this will be perfect for our next WrestleMania with the Battle of the Billionaires. Your... Fired. And we will see your ass next time. <laughs> <laughs>